I've come here for a number of years, and uh, one of the first people that I used to, that I got to know up here was Valdemar uh, Schilke. He's a great reminder of Henry Kissinger, and then I thought, how many people over here would know who Henry Kissinger is because he was from the 1980s? So, uh, pleasure to see him here at Michelle, and I get to know some more of you as we go through today's <coughs> this morning's teaching. Um, I have uh, with me my wife Lois. We've been married for 53 years and counting, which I guess in some states is a record. I am a uh, retired school teacher. I taught chemistry for 34 years. I'm also a, <clears throat> after that, I went into politics, per se. I was 18 years a supervisor in my little town back home. I've been a child of God since the age of 13. At various times, I've been a Sunday school teacher, a Bible study leader for youth, a lay witness member, a mission team member, Healing preacher and a church elder. If you wonder why I'm looking at my notes, it's because that keeps me on track. Otherwise, I would be wandering all over the place. So <clears throat> today I would like to talk to you about knitting. <laughs> Are there any knitters here? A few hands. Uh, one skill that's getting lost, among other things that happen in our modern society. Why knitting? What's required to knit something? What's it take to convert a ball of yarn into a sweater, something like this, or to mittens, or a scarf, something very useful? How does the finished product differ from the starting material? You think about a ball of yarn that your cat plays with and scatters all over the house, it's a little different. How's the finished product different from that ball of yarn? Anyone that's done some knitting knows that it's a very time-consuming, a very directed task. When do I knit? When do I pearl? Is that a familiar term to some of you? Pearl is going knitting backwards or something like that. It's all spelled out in the directions for whatever you're going to produce by knitting. If you've ever looked at a knitting directions, it's very specific. I believe our Heavenly Father is interested in knitting. You probably wonder where the Bible speaks of knitting. You may not know, you may not find it in your version. I grew up in a time when the King James Version was predominant. Some verses I learned back then use words that are not so common today. So as you read the verses that I read to you today, they may not use the word knit, but they express it in a different terminology. Where do we find the <coughs> knitting mentioned in the Bible? I'm sure that most of us are familiar with Psalm 139. Verse 13 speaks of you and me being knit together in our mother's womb. You know the human body is rather intricately designed and follows specific instructions given in your DNA. It continues to replace itself following the same DNA instructions given from the time of conception. Just sort of like knitting. Just as our Father designed us to be continually knit together through our lifetimes, He has a plan and design for the church, His body, to be knit together here on earth. Turn with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter 2. I want to look at a couple of verses there in Colossians chapter 2. <clears throat> in this chapter, 
The word knit is used in application of Christ's body on earth, the church, to you and I in this present time. Look at verses 1 and 2. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have, been, have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all the riches, the full understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God. Before going on, we should know a little bit about the city of Colossae. It's a city that Paul was writing to at this time. Colossae is a Roman city. It's located at the base of Mount Cadmus, wherever that is, in the river valley east of Ephesus. I do know where that is. Ephesus is a city in modern-day Turkey, where the ruins of the old city sit inland from what used to be a coastal city. Its harbor is now filled with centuries of sediment. My wife and I were privileged to visit there, to Ephesus, and walk where Paul walked. Colossia was a very prosperous city. It was famous for its textiles. Judaism, followers of Plato, the Greek philosopher. Plato is known for a couple of uh, things that we may or may not have heard. Says love is a serious mental disease. Where I got that, I don't know. And the second one is be kind to everyone. You meet, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Also famous for mystery cults that blended into strange and contradictory religious practices. Cult worship of angels such as the angel Michael persisted in Colossae. So maybe get some idea why Paul wrote what he wrote about them being knit together because Apparently, there were a lot of things going on that would lead them away from Christianity. This combination of various ideas and beliefs and practices mired the Colossian church in many debates, divisions, and depravity. You can see why some knitting was needed. Paul's emphasis throughout the book of Colossians is about the preeminence of Christ over all these other practices. Paul wanted the members of his body to be able to break free from those practices. I mentioned previously Colossians. Whoops. See why I need my notes? As I mentioned previously, Colossians 2, verses 18 and 19, if you're looking in the same chapter, in these two verses, he expands on the need of knitting for those believers together in the truth of Christ. Let's look at those two verses. Let no one cheat you of your reward. Take delight in false humility, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head to Jesus Christ, from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. We will see that increase later in our message this morning. But there's again some knitting. He uses joints and ligaments. If you know anything about your human body, ligaments are some of the strongest tissue that holds your body together. Just as a knitter continually makes knot after knot in a knitting process, and the human body is held together by joints and ligaments, it is the intent of our Father, I believe, to knit us together 
as Christ's body to accomplish his work while we're here on earth. So how does this come about? It has to do with how we relate to one another. The phrase one another appears many times throughout the New Testament. The one another verses in the New Testament refer to the members of the body, to us, the church. We are familiar with the passage of Scripture about loving God, well, the heart, soul, and mind, and <clears throat> loving our neighbor as ourselves. Josh, you did put water up here, right? Thank you. I haven't talked this long <clears throat> in duration for a while. Backing up just a bit, we're familiar about loving God and loving our neighbors as ourselves. But Jesus carries this a little deeper when he speaks to his disciples, to us. In John 13, 34, he says, a new command. Notice he uses this, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That one another keeps showing up. So how is this different from those first two commands about loving God and loving our neighbor? First, it's directed to the disciples, to the followers of Christ, to the body, to us who follow Christ. Secondly, it is to love as Christ loved, totally, sacrificially, with agape love that places the needs of the object of the love as priority one. This is where the one another part comes in. The love among those in the body of Christ is always seeking the best for the other members. Let's look at some of the one another's and see how they can be carried out on a life together. One another's are scattered throughout the New Testament. We'll look at just a few of them. Galatians 5.13 is one. You, my brothers, are called to be free, as we sang about this morning. But do not use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Notice how it goes from turning it inward to turning it outward. I find it interesting that Paul connects freedom with the ability to serve others. Why do we need freedom to serve others? We need to be freed from our own sin and selfish interests before we're able to serve others. We are to serve one another not by compulsion, but by the fact that the love of Christ in us allows us to freely give of our time and our energy to those in the body that need some assistance. We all do, if we're honest with ourselves. Where can you find a place to serve others? You could take somebody to a doctor's appointment. Is there anyone of the new baby that could use a meal? I've heard that babies come frequently in this body of believers. <clears throat> Who needs your guard work or garden work done? What homebound person could you visit? What area of expertise do you possess that could help one another? Or help your brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus demonstrates, demonstrated the character of a servant when he washed his disciples' feet. Even menial tasks of service are enabled by the Holy Spirit. We love because Christ first loved us. We serve one another because he came to serve us. Service to others is a natural part of the Christian's makeup. A second one another. How well do you know the rest of the people that are here this morning? 
As I look around, I know very few of you. I assume you all know each other's names. My wife and I have uh, recently changed to a newer church. One of the hardest things is getting to know the other members of the body. So in your congregation, what spiritual gifts do you see in the person sitting next to you or across the aisle? In 1 Corinthians 12, excuse me, yes, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 26, Paul speaks at length of our need for one another. Let's read that to see how we are related to each other. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this should be familiar to you, starting at verse 12. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, every one of you, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where, <clears throat> where, would, the one, where would the whole body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't, know, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem the weakest are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If each part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Paul has used some symbols of the human body to describe how Christ's body, the church, this congregation, is so intricately tied together. Verse 25 speaks of no divisions in the body but equal concern for one another. We suffer with one another. We rejoice with one another. We use our spiritual gifts to enable each other to function as the Lord has designed us to. No one is to be left on the sidelines. Each one of us has a particular ministry that demonstrates our concern and our care for each other, just as part of the knitting process. We are <coughs> getting to know each other each other's needs, each other's joys, each other's struggles, and triumphs. We need to realize that we cannot truly function as the Lord's body without establishing a closeness that is uncommon to the world at large. Remember what Plato said about being kind? Do we know what battles our brothers and sisters are fighting? Another of these one another verses is found in James chapter 5. 
Confess your faults to each other. Pray for one another so that you can be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Ouch. Is that too much close medicine then? Do I really want to tell another person what are my faults? Don't be surprised. They already know them. I'm willing to tell you what they are. Seriously, James is asking us to be honest with ourselves and open with another member of the body about what we struggle with in secret. But why should we have to do that? Confession causes each of us to deal honestly with who we are. To see ourselves as sinners fighting against our sinful nature and temptations that world has, <coughs> excuse me, a temptation that the world has that appeal to them. See, Plato wasn't so far off, he said, be kind. You don't know what the other person's struggling with. Jesus came to set us free from those struggles, and it's best accomplished when we unite in prayer with our brother or sister. Agreeing in prayer is recognizing that in Christ's kingdom, every believer is a priest to every other believer, as the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Would it help you to know that someone is helping you with your struggle? Let us bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6, 2. A burden is much lighter when it is shared. We need to seek out a trusted fellow believer or a group of believers that we can be open with about our doubts and our trials, our questions and our struggles. Only in an atmosphere of trust and love can this be accomplished. We may all go home today like so many loose pieces of yarn that did not get knitted into the body of Christ. We may not yet have experienced the call of Jesus to be intimately involved in the lives of those gathered here this morning. Some may have already wandered away and been unwilling to commit themselves to this experience. There are a couple of passages in Hebrews that come to mind that I would like to call to your attention and help us give, our, <coughs> give ourselves to the process of knitting the body together. Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13 is one place. See to it, brothers and sisters. Why not just ladies and gentlemen? Like you were in a secular. Because you're brothers and sisters here. That none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encouraging one another, encouraging one another daily, as long as this is called today, so that none of you <clears throat> may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. But keep from us from falling into disbelief and losing other close fellowship with God, we need the close relationship that our lives together require. Speaking of our mutual faith in Jesus. We are to be speaking to one another words of truth and encouragement, sharing how God has continually met our needs and answered our prayers. The second passage in Hebrews is similar. Chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Let us consider how we are to spur one another on toward the love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as is the habit of some, but let us encourage one another as we see the day approaching. How do you go about encouraging one another? 
Many years ago, John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church in England in the 1700s, held what he called class meetings in the middle of the week. The question asked at each meeting to each person in attendance was, how is it with your soul? This is a really probing question. How would you answer that question if you were asked that this morning? How is it with your soul? It gets to the, <clears throat> me, it gets to the heart of our relationship and your relationship not only with God, but also with the body of Christ, <clears throat> your fellow members of this body. Pardon me. Are there feelings and attitudes that you have that you, you may have that are not keeping with the love that we should have towards one another? Do you feel estranged from anyone here? Do you know everyone here? Are you carrying a burden that you wish you could share? The primary task of each of us is to be an encourager, a cheerleader for one another, a guide, a resource to each other as we all walk, excuse me, all work to expand the Lord's kingdom. These questions and others like them may help you gauge how much you feel a part of a close-knit, close-knit, close-knit body of believers. It is the intent of the Lord Jesus Christ to have his body knit together and functioning in such a way that, as the old song goes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. What's the result of such a body functioning in this way? The best example I know is found in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And I'm sure you're familiar with this. They devoted themselves. I like that word, devoted. To the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread together in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and envying the, fa <coughs> envying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. I like that last part. They didn't go out on the street corners and bang drums and jump them down. The Lord added daily those that were being saved. As you think about the first body believers and what they did, they were intently interested in the apostles' teaching. They met together every day. They ate together in each other's homes. They held their possessions in common, even selling some as the need arose. They met together for worship in the temple. They praised God openly, and people saw that. The result, the Lord added to their numbers daily those that were being saved. The life of the early church was so attractive that people wanted to be a part of it and were willing to hear the message of Jesus and commit themselves to it. When the body of Christ is knit together in love, it's irresistible to the world around it. Let me read that again. When the body of Christ is knit together, it is irresistible to the world around us. People want to be a part of it. I'll pause here and tell a little experience in our family. My granddaughter senior in college. He has a boyfriend she's had since high school. He's in college. He's finishing up his engineering degree, and as part of an engineering degree, you do an internship 
So he had an internship in Texas, of all places. And while he was there, he met a group of guys that he really enjoyed their, their friendship. And they invited him to come to the porch. Well, that was kind of strange, but they were, oh, again, very friendly. So he went, and they ate together, and they sang together, and they heard the message. From his Catholic background, he said, I've never been here. To a mass like that. So think about it. <clears throat> and so he kept going back and going back. And he really found a relationship with Christ through it. In fact, when his parents visited him in Texas, he said, one of the things you're going to do here is go to church. My purpose today was to explore some of the things that we're doing as properly operating body of Christ. I would urge you to consider the ones that I have mentioned and explore more passages that use the phrase, one another, that are written specifically to the church, the living, active, effective working of Christ today and Calvary's body. It's time to be about knitting ourselves together to the glory of God. 